0: The following is a Hoop Bowl presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome to the show. We are back with another post game. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. I'm David Williams, and the one that is eating crow tonight, Mr. Isaac Simpson.
1: Man, I'm glad to be, glad to be eating crow, crow tonight, man. I, but honestly, man, David called it. I, mean, I, I didn't see this one tonight. Uh, I thought. A big win uh, on Sunday against Philadelphia. I was like, there there's no way they're gonna come out and shoot that well played as well again, and it just carried over. I mean, you saw the energy that they came out with in the Philly game, and same thing tonight. You can just tell from the from the jump. I mean, Miami kind of kind of made a little run there early, but the Grizzlies hung in there, and it was back and forth. Eventually, the Grizzlies were able to, to pull away and just just look really good tonight, man. Making shots, uh, 17 more threes made tonight. 17 to 41 for 41 and a half. man. Who is this team we're watching right now? They're they're really been shooting well from the perimeter.
0: Man, I tell you... Sorry, I got a a little bit away from my mic there, but I tell you, like... If they play at this level, they get to this play-in, they are going to have... Whoever they would match up against in the first round, I think it's it's a tough out, man. You're getting... Jaron Jackson, you know, they're, they're getting an all-star caliber seven footer added to this current roster. Yeah. There's going to be some rust there, but depending on how early he comes back, you you know, he's going to have more games. This could be a really scary first round matchup for whoever they, uh, they face in the first round. If they get to that point.
1: Yeah. I'm excited about what I'm seeing right now. I think, they're hitting their stride at a great time. Uh, we've talked so much about how daunting this schedule is, and and you looked at this road trip and said how tough it was. Now they're two and zero going in, and the first two games were the ones that you kind of looked at and thought might be the two that they would drop. Uh, Atlanta and New York were the kind of the ones you kind of looked at and said uh, maybe they could win, even though you you thought Miami was one of those was one that you thought they could get, and they did uh, in a big way. And, and to be playing like this right now, you think you got Jaron's return here right around the corner. Here, it, it seems like it seems like I think it's a great time for them to kind of be hitting their stride because, I mean, they, they could put some of these teams in a rear view. I mean, they're winning games right now that you didn't think they were going to win. So if they can stay on this trajectory and, and win a bunch of these games, I mean, that they could really be competing. I mean, who, who knows? I mean, I mean, Dallas is playing really well right now. But I mean, if they could play like this, maybe they can get up there for that seventh spot. I don't want to put a lot of pressure on them or set any expectations or anything. But if they're going to play like this, I mean, that that's a possibility. Uh, even though Dallas is playing really well right now, I think one thing that you kind of kind of hope you saw Ja kind of pull up lame there late. I, I, I didn't see anything happen there. He was he came down. And he was just kind of walking normal, and all of a sudden he grabbed his side. I'm hoping it's more of a, a cramp or something like that, but we'll see. Yeah. Uh, I, I'd be surprised if he goes tomorrow night, no matter what, uh, with it being a back to back and and this kind of happening late in the game I, with the way they kind of. They're cautious in the way they kind of handle things, so I would be surprised, even if it is something really minor, if, if he goes tomorrow in the back-to-back. I think he's got to do for a night of rest anyway. They haven't rested him in a game, so that would be an opportunity to do that if it's something really minor. So I don't know. You you, you kind of hate to see it because it feels like they're rolling right now, and you think Atlanta is a game that that they probably can win. I mean, you, you go back to that game earlier in the season. I kind of had this one circled all year as one, well that I felt like, they would go down to Atlanta and get revenge from that early season game. But, man, 2-0 and o on this road trip, man. I did not see this coming. And, and, again, I think that allows them to go into these last two games with house money.
0: Yeah, you know, that's a – you were looking for 2-2 two and two in this road trip, and they uh, that that's the worst they can do at this point. And, yeah, it worked. You know, I, I wanted this game. Yeah, I wanted the, the Grizzlies to win this game against Miami, and I thought that they had a chance. It worked out sometimes you take shots like that and it doesn't where, you know, you, you predict, Oh, I think that they can win yeah. this game. And then it comes back to bite you, but you know, th- they, they play Miami good and I just, you know, it, it seems like they have a fire. I, I still think that the whole Iguodala situation gives these guys fuel that they just want to stick it to him every chance they get. And, you know, it, it I was looking at the box score here. Miami didn't really play all that bad. The Grizzlies just played well tonight. Miami was 39% from three, which is above their season average of 34%. And they shot 53% from the field. So the Grizzlies played good defense. The percentages don't necessarily show it, but you know, Miami done a lot of things right in this game. The Grizzlies, it was just one of those nights where a lot of the things were just going the Grizzlies way. That's, you're you're missing Brandon Clark and Jaron and Justice and Melton and then Desmond Bain comes out tonight. He has a very, you know, De'Anthony Melton type line: fifteen points, three rebounds, three assists, two steals, and a block.
1: Yeah, really played well tonight.
0: It's like you don't even miss De'Anthony Melton because he just took another form tonight, and and that's it, it's crazy. When I saw, you know, I, I didn't know that Melton would be back. I figured that he would probably be out. But then, you know, you get the BC news that he's officially out. It's like, oh, man, you know, I'm saying they're going to win this game and I'm going to be the one, you know, having to eat my words. But it, it just, you know, good on them. Dylan Brooks with a insane third quarter, 23 third quarter points. Uh, went off. Uh, you know, the second highest uh, single – uh, point scoring for one quarter in the franchise history behind uh, Jaron's big game against the Bucks. you know, he, he was just feeling it, man. They, the heat did not have an answer for him there. And Dylan Brooks is the kind of guy, if, if he's feeling it, he's not going to be shy about it. You know, he's going to get the ball and he, he's going to put the shots up and he, he was, uh it, it was, it was going for him. They were all going in in that third quarter for him.
1: Yeah, definitely a very uh, villainesque third quarter for DB. I mean, just a big night. Very efficient too, man. 10 of 16 from the field, man. 5 and 9 from 3. 3 of 5 from the free throw line. Uh, just just a tremendous game in a huge third quarter. And, and you kind of talk about this not being a bad play game by Miami. You're absolutely right. I mean, I think that he came in averaging 106 a game. And he scored 112. You just kind of look down his box score. I mean, Jimmy Butler with 28, 18 for Bam, 16 for Oladipo, 14 for Robinson, 19 for Hero. I mean, you look at those numbers, and you probably think if that's they get those numbers from from those five guys, they probably win. And Grizzlies win by win this game by double digits, going away. So, um, I mean, it, it's a big win, and, and this wasn't a fluke or anything. The Grizzlies just went down there, and just kind of hit them in the mouth, and they weren't able to respond and walk out of there with a big victory at two and zero on this trip. And it's when this team plays like this, they're they're fun to watch, um, and it, it, it's weird that you. This season, you're getting these wins, and and Josh not particularly playing well. I mean, he finished the game with 10 points, four rebounds, four assists, and a steal, but he didn't shoot the basketball well, 3 of 8 from the floor or 4 from 3. Uh, only got to the free throw line, uh, only 4 of 6 from the free throw line. So it wasn't a big game for him at all. And to, to able to get a win like this without Josh playing well, if you kind of go back to last year, what we thought about this team coming in this year, you wouldn't think that. You wouldn't think this team could get these – Big victories against really good teams without Ja having a big game. And we've saw that several times this year.
0: Yeah. You know, at one point, it was they the Grizzlies had a 16 point lead, and Ja only had six points. The, the best player on the team has only got six points, and you're leading by 16. You know that things are just running good. Yeah. Kyle Anderson, another good night from him. He 19, 8, and 6, flirting with a the triple double there. Dylan Brooks into the game, 28 points, and then one rebound, two assists, two steals. Like you said, very, very efficient night for him. JV, another 20 and 10 double-double. Grayson Allen was the only one in the starting lineup that didn't have, you know, a a stat line that looks great. But, uh, again, it wasn't an awful night for him with, you know, eight points, one rebound, three assists. Xavier Tillman filling in nice. And – Man, defensively on Bam, I said it early in the game. Yeah, I saw your tweet. That Tillman is a much better defensive matchup against Bam than what JV is. And Jay, there there were a couple times, you know, JV kind of played back. Bam knocked down the shot. You know, but with what JV brings to the table, you're going to have stuff like that. If he was consistent on both ends, he probably would have never left Toronto and he wouldn't be a Grizzly right now. You know, that, no. that just, it, it is what it is. So, you know, you, you take the good with the bad, and you, you love it or hate it at times. He just is not a good defender, and for what he does rebounding, what he does offensively for the Grizzlies, you can take the deficiencies on the defensive end.
1: Yeah, <clears throat> excuse me. Most of the time, definitely, especially when he's going to give you 20 and 10. Now, on nights where he has off night, those 10-10 nights and things like that, it, it, it probably hurts you more. But if he's going to give you 20 and 10, you can kind of kind of live with that, especially when you can, again, mix in Tillman, uh, Tillman now that some, some guys are out of the rotation. He can come in and, and play some defense. Um, and, and we've talked about that so much. I, I'm excited about his future. I, I really think that he's – going To be a big factor for this team, and speaking of guys that I think could be a big factor, of this team uh, Killian Tilly played 13 minutes tonight five points, two rebounds, and assists uh, on a block, knocked down a three pointer, plus 13. Uh, in 13 minutes, so he had a solid, solid game for the amount minutes he played. And I think he's going to be a guy that sticks on this team. I, I think we've, we've seen these two way guys, uh, uh coming here, I like was in Watanabe and, and guys like that, and they kind of fizzle out after two years. I think Tilly is a guy that could end up being a, a part of this team and, and a part of this rotation going forward. But anytime you have a guy that size that has his shooting potential, he's even shown some potential on the defensive end. And I don't think that's a, something that a lot of people think about him. I, I think he's a player that can stick.
0: Yeah, man, totally agree with that. The, the versatility on the defensive end could great footwork. You know, I think that um, comparatively between him and Tillman, that, that Tillman is, is superior on the, the defensive end, you know, his footwork and everything. You've watched Tillman get switched on to, uh, to guard. CP3 is one that comes to mind. Um, generally, when CP3 gets a a big man switch on him, he makes him look like a fool and ends up scoring, and Tillman stripped him. And, and yeah. you know, that, that's more than likely not going to happen every time. But Tilly has that same type of versatility that his footwork is good enough. If he gets switched onto a quicker guard, he's going to be able to hold his own, and that's a uh, th- that's a great quality to have, especially in the league that's becoming uh, more and more positionless. It, Dylan Brooks, a guy that's six seven playing the four, you know, and he doesn't play big. You know, Charles Barkley was playing the four when he was in at six six, but
1: six six, yeah,
0: you know. It, the, the the game is he Barkley played bigger than six, six and, oh, and you know, D- DB does not. So, you know, it, it's a lot of the teams are going kind of to the small ball type stuff and guys th- with the size of, you know, Tilly and Tillman being able to be versatile and, and get switched on to a smaller, quicker guy and still be able to hold your own. That's going to be becoming uh, increasingly more valuable as uh I think the league's going to continue to to evolve in that manner and to keep going. You know, you're looking at the traditional back to the basket big man is few and far between because teams are wanting to shoot so many more threes now.
1: Yeah. When, when you look at this, I mean, this is really impressive. I think coming into this game, I, I was really concerned about the bench minutes. I figured the starters will be okay, but no Melton, uh, no BC, no Winslow tonight. You're like, man, when this, when, the, when, when they switch to the bench unit, this team is going to really struggle, and, and that wasn't the case. I mean, these guys came in and played really good minutes, and Bain, of course, helped it a lot, with it's 15 points off the bench, and great stat line for X as well. We just talked about 11 points, six rebounds of steal, a very efficient five or seven for the floor, knocked down a three in 21 minutes plus six uh, on, on the game. I mean, just the, the, the bench held their own. I mean, the bench, I think at one point, even came in and extended the lead um, yeah, at, at, yeah. at one point. So, I mean, they, they played really well tonight, and Again, this is super impressive to, to go down because Miami had won four in a row coming into this game. And especially when you figure to factor in the fact that they just beat this team a couple of weeks ago and they didn't even have a depot in to go down to Miami and get this win. I mean, this is super impressive, especially when you got three, three of your major rotation pieces out.
0: Yeah. John Moran getting high praise from uh, Eric Spolstra after the game yeah. talking about, uh, you know, I don't have the, the quote up here word for word, but uh you know paraphrasing here Spolster saying you know tonight you look at the the box score and you see 10 4 and 4 from ja but it doesn't really those numbers don't show his impact on this game and what he does for this team and it's a, a championship caliber coach giving your uh, your best player high praises and and that's uh that's saying something man you know that I've got a lot of a uh, lot of respect for him and and yeah, you know, you've got, uh, y- you can have arguments of, well, you know, the, the, the teams that he's won championships with, you know, yeah, ton of talent, ton of talent on those teams, but look what he done last year with Jimmy Butler and a lot of young guys. And, you know, I think that his resume speaks for itself and, and he is one that I don't, uh. I don't discredit his championship because of the roster that he has because I've watched him do well and coach well with teams that were uh, far less talented. And so, you know, I, I love to see it. You know, guys from Memphis has a long-running history of not getting the type of recognition like these players. Mike Conley being in the league yeah. for as long as he was without getting to an all-star game is, is probably the greatest example of that. and. To, to have these guys actually giving John ja Morant some of the credit that he deserves is, is great. And it's, uh, it's early man, two years in and he's already getting that recognition. So, you know, th- to say the sky's the limit is, is I think putting too, too small of a hat on it.
1: Yeah. And I'm a big fan of Eric exposure. Um, I think he's the, the anti Steve Kerr. We've got to talk about Steve Kerr on the opposite side of that as being the the recipient of having such a great roster and able to, to win uh, some championships and then being looked at as being this great coach, but we just saw how what's happened with this team right now, uh, the way he's coaching and Spolstra is the opposite of that. I, I thought the same thing about Spolstra initially, but once once they broke up the, the big three there, he was able to keep that thing together. And, and, and even now you saw that took a team to the finals last year that, was on nobody's radar to, to be an NBA finals team and have that team in the finals last year. Not only did they go to the finals, even competed a lot better than I think a lot of people thought they would have against the Lakers. So it, it, it's no doubt what, what Eric Spoelstra, his resume speaks for itself. He's done a fantastic job, and it was nice to see his praise of job. Uh, I mean, he kind of said that it, it just shows you look at the box score and you might not think that, that he had a great game, but you just kind of look at his overall body of work coming into the Last year, the team, the Grits had really struggled. He said, You put them on the roster last year and, and you saw what they were able to do. They were competing for a playoff spot. So, high praise from a championship winning coach. I mean, that's can't knock that. And he's already getting that praise in his second year in. It, it's really nice to see because we really haven't had a guy like that that got praise outside of Memphis. I mean, we, during the, the grit and grind era, you have guys like Mark, Mike, and, and Zach Randolph, and you hear things here and there, but they never really got the respect they deserved outside of the city. I mean, there was some. Some nerds, as they say, NBA nerd Twitter, uh, that, that kind of like this team and kind of appreciate it what we had going on down here, but that that's not something that that we've we've seen on a normal basis on a national scale. And I think is gonna be the player to change it. And I also think Jaron Jackson Jr. is a player that could be in that vein as well.
0: Oh yeah. Yep. That's uh <laughs> did you see uh see Jaron? His South Beach, uh, man. The drip, spot. man. Yeah, I did, man.
1: That, yeah, that was. Yeah. Man, that's he was that, going that's, full That's on a shirt right there, it. man. That's a shirt right there, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, man. He he came out kind looking real drippy, man, on the sideline, which he's done all year. I mean, it, it, it's been kind of fun. to check out his outfits, man. That's one thing he he, he can dress, man. And that's. But I'm, I'm I think I'm ready to see him in in a uniform man, instead of that. But he was was embracing the South Beach tonight uh, down in Miami. Was was looking good there on the sideline.
0: Yeah, the uh, the Grizzlies' next matchup tomorrow night, they travel from Miami to Atlanta, and they're, they run into a, a pretty hot Hawk, Hawks team. The Hawks have won four in a row, and they won tonight. The Hawks shot 65% from three tonight. They were 20 for 31 from three, and they're missing three of their better players in Cam Reddish, DeAndre Hunter, and John Collins. Their starting lineup against the Pelicans tonight, Trey young, Solomon Hill, uh, Bogdanovich Capella and her to, you know, you, that, that back to back, we don't know where Ja's going to be at. I, I see like, I, I just, um, he was his media availability was just coming up. I, I didn't get a chance to watch it. We're in the middle of the show here. So I'm definitely going to go and watch that as soon as this is over. Cause hopefully we'll talk about it. I'm, I'm really hoping that it's just a cramp. He got up, he walked out on his own power yeah. That Yeah. You know, he just kind of laid down to the floor there and made it a little more scary. But, man, I tell you, sometimes, man, cramps will make you, you know, yeah, you, you're just trying to find a position where you're comfortable. And uh, sometimes a cramp can look a lot worse than what it actually is.
1: Yeah. Uh, and, and the reason why I just kind of think that might be the case because it just didn't seem like there was much contact, I guess, is a possibility that he could have pulled his back on that hop. But he was walking. Normally it was weird. He just kind of walked around a little bit. And kind of paced, and then all of a sudden, he just kind of held aside and like went over right immediately, went to the sideline, asked out, and just kind of fell to the floor. But he did get up, like you said, and walk out on his own power. So, hoping it's just a cramp. Uh, even, even if it was, I still got a feeling with it being a back to back with kind of the way the Grizzlies are cautious down the injuries. I'd be surprised to see him play tomorrow night. But again, Jaws is the ultimate competitor. We saw how quickly he came back from an ankle injury, probably half the timeline that was expected. So, I, I think he's one that. If, if he tells him he's going to play, he's going to play. And um, I, I think he probably doesn't, doesn't mind going up against Trey Young. That's one of the kind of the guys that up-and-coming guys they kind of compare him to. So I think he he's probably chomping at the bit for that matchup. So I'm sure he's going to want to play if he can. And, again, I think it's an opportunity for them to get another win. Uh, the Hawks have been playing well uh, since since Nate McMillan stepped into the head chair. But, again, they, they lost a, a close one here in Memphis. Really early in the season. Was that the first game of the season? Might have been the first game of the season. First or second game. San Antonio was the first game. That was the second game. Uh, but they lost a close game here. And that's kind of one of the teams, kind of a I know it's not a really when you got an East Coast and a West Coast team, it's not really a rivalry. But there are a couple couple of young up-and-coming teams in the league. And amongst the fans and the media guys, there's definitely been a little bit of a rivalry. So that's one, and I'm sure these guys see that. So I'm sure they kind of know some of this stuff. And Trey Young has had his deal dealings with, with Brayson Allen a couple of times in summer league and early this year. So uh, th- this is one, I think that the Grizzlies want to get. I don't think they like the Hawks and I don't think the Hawks care too much for them. So this is one, I think both, both teams will be fired up for a little bit. So hopefully Doc can go uh, because I would like to, to to expect some revenge, uh, but get, gets the Hawks for that early season loss. I think Grizzlies are a better team and the Hawks went out and spent some money uh, this summer. I think th- 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 it was a mistake because I think they, when I spent too much money and, and jumped the gun a little bit, kind of the anti-Grizzlies and went and signed some veterans that didn't really put them over the top. You already saw kind of how some of it didn't work out where John Rundle was one of the, the best they signed. He's now with the Clippers. Uh, so I, I think they kind of jumped the gun a little bit to, to be a bottom of the East type playoff team. And I mean, where, where are you going to go from there? Now they've kind of cash strapped and don't have a lot of money. And I, I don't think they're anywhere near where they need to be right now.
0: Yeah, I wonder how much of that was kind of uh, um, like appeasing Trey Young. You know, because he, he knows that he's talented. You know, he he knows where he's at as far as, you know, he, he is a good player. Whether you, you love him, hate him, some of the craft that he does. I was so happy. I think it was either Monday or Tuesday, uh, Shams was tweeting out about the the competition committee looking at the shooting fouls and the awkward, the unnatural yeah, movements, so that. man, that is, to me, it's breaking the game. You know, I when a it. defender, if a defender goes up and that defender is not going toward the shooter, his body is in no way going toward the shooter, and the shooter jumps into Something that defender, the defender, that should be an offensive foul all day, every day.
1: I, 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 agree. I 100% agree. I, I just, I, I've never understood how, that's a foul on the on the defender. I mean, because yeah. it's you can essentially do that every time. Anybody, anytime a defender's close to you, if you're in the perimeter, you just pretend like you got to jack up a shot and just kind of lean into them. And ninety percent mm-hmm. of the time, they're you're gonna they're gonna get that call. And it's definitely something going to change. Brevin talks about it all the time on the broadcast how much he hates that, and I'm one hundred percent with him. I mean, it's just, it's bad for bad for the game I mean, because it's unnatural. It's just not a, a, a natural play and to reward a guy for that. It's just seems so weak to me, and I, I, I don't know. They definitely definitely need to look at that and, and get that change because when they kind of implemented that, I, I, I never understood it. And it, you, you have these guys, like, and not to take anything away from James Harden, but he kind of lives on doing that and, and gets a lot of a lot of trips to the free throw line to kind of pad his stats because of that. And I just hate to see does, it because yeah. it, it, it's bad for the game, just like you said.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, I, I call it the uh, the Zaza rule. You know, it, this all yeah. goes back to, yeah. the, you know, the closeout that uh, yeah. that hurt Kawhi. Yeah. It,
1: that,
0: that's where it all started. And so I understand protecting the offensive player. The, the rule doesn't need to revert back to what it was because what it was was not effective, and you can get the offensive player hurt. But in the same – they've got to look at it. as You know, the way they're doing it right now, The defensive player can get hurt. You know, the way these offensive guys are jumping. And some of that is creativity. You know, these guys, James Harden, Trey Young, they know the rule. They're exploiting the rule. They're a professional. That's what they're doing. It's not fun basketball to watch, but it's effective for them. and allows them to score and do what they want, get to the free throw line. You know, if if a guy shot fakes and that defender jumps and he's coming toward him and then he goes up into the contact, Okay, that shot fake worked. He earned that foul. But when you've got to jump off to the side, side. one way or the other, yeah. that, that's that's not it, man. It's just that's infuriating to watch. Our, there, there was one, I was watching a Hawks game. Trey Young gets across half court and just locks up the brakes. The guy <laughs> behind him runs over him. I'm like, man, that was not a basketball move. And, and I think that when you give when, when you have the rules that are it's kind of a gray area and you leave it up to interpretation from the referees I feel like they maybe they kind of shy away from that because the referees' job is hard enough already yeah and when it when it's at the referees discretion you know each referee is going to kind of look at it differently and depending on what kind of position you're in there's a lot of things that can go wrong with that but you know there's definitely a, a a solution to this somewhere in the middle of what happened when Zaza heard uh, Kawhi and then to where we're at right now.
1: Yeah, it, it definitely doesn't need to go back to, to the old rule because it, like you said, I mean, it, you can get guys hurt doing that with the, the leg kick and all, all different aspects of that. But there, like you said, there has to be some middle ground because just the, the initiating the contact from the offensive player, you just can't reward guys for that. And, and you got to talk about it. I, I don't like to see it, but you can't blame guys for like James Harden for exploiting it. I mean, if if you can get away with it, they're, they're already good enough. I mean, because a lot of times you see these four point plays, because James Harden just has it down to a science almost. Yeah, um, does, making, these, making these moves, man. And he, he usually knocks down the shot and gets the free throw. If I mean, if they allow you to do it, man, they can support the rule. But again, that's definitely something that the competition committee has to take a look at. And they got to, got to get that change. I mean, enough is enough. It's going on too long now they got to find a way to to kind of fix that but um uh, again man you just kind of switch gears a little bit um a, a couple more oh well real quick i do want to get into I, I saw your tweet and we've kind of touched on this before uh, about the nba draft and where what position should the grizzlies target i saw your tweet that the grizzlies do not need to draft a wing exclamation point uh late, late in the game and that's just kind of been what the consensus is but we've talked about this if you draft a guy just and we don't want to pick on Corey Kispert. I mean he had a tough night last night. Uh so we don't want to pick on him pick on him too much. Yeah, I but mean
0: you, you, you can you can leave him you can throw Davion Mitchell out there. Yeah or, and we have talked a lot um, about him I've last seen, night. Who who's a, Uh Jaden, is it Springer that's at Fred, Tennessee? Dave Springer? And I and I yeah, do like they um, Springer a
1: lot, but yeah. where where would these guys play? I mean that, if you gotta draft them, man. are they gonna are they gonna come in here and supplant bane Bain and DB and, and and even justice or any of these guys, the Grayson Allen, these guys you have on the wing, the Anthony Melton, if, if they're not going to come in as a him, you're just going to have a guy that's buried on the bench and he's not going to be able to get minutes. So that's not going to do you any good. And in, in, in the position that the Grizzlies are in, they need somebody that's going to come in and be a contributor. And I just don't, unless they make some moves this summer, I just don't know where a wing comes in to compete. Now, if you're talking about, like you said, they get lucky and they end up somehow top of the draft, you're talking about Jalen green, Jonathan Kaminga, I've uh, got guys like that, then maybe you're talking something different. But yeah. but if you're talking like middle-to-round, late, lottery, middle-round guys, I, none of these guys are going to come in next year and be better than the wings they already have on the roster. So I, I just think at that point you're just wasting a draft pick until you kind of consolidate the roster and open up some minutes for those guys. Because right now, with the way this roster constructed, there just aren't any minutes for them.
0: Yeah, I, it, it's... To me, if you're drafting a wing, it is 100%. It has to be somebody that's going to move the needle. If it's just another middle of the first round rotation guy, you're you're just causing an overload for yourself, and and you're going to have guys that have talent that are not getting the playing time. If they were to make a trade and move up to take uh, a... kuminga are
1: i love they're big not gonna they're not
0: gonna probably trade up into the first pick to get kate yeah. Cade. kate Cade is probably i i don't know that there's anybody that's gonna pass him up i think that he is the number one pick but you know if you're trading up to get Jalen green or jonathan kuminga then i'm okay with them taking a the wing it, it's obviously not my call. I don't get to make that decision. I, I hate to keep beating on this because, you know, we, we've talked about it before, but there, there's so many people. Listen, I get it. I, you know, I've watched the Grizzlies need this wing forever, but they, they have them and, and that's, you know, DB had a, a great game tonight. He's not going to play like this all the time. Yeah. We, we understand that, but it, it's not even just him. You know, you, you go down this roster like you were you were just saying. You have Winslow, which is an NBA caliber wing. W- whatever happens with him moving forward, we don't know yet. But Winslow, Grayson Allen, Desmond Bain, Dylan Brooks. It, it just – it doesn't Melted. make any sense. Yeah, I didn't even name Melton. I was, I was trying to pull the roster back up. I was looking <laughs> at the draft there. But I, I just – I can't get behind it, man.
1: And, and, and you I understand. Know I, I, you know, I was going to say, I understand what people are seeing because I see it too. I mean, they needed this wing, but the, the the level of wing they need is a star caliber wing. And those guys in the middle of the first round or late lottery just aren't going to be that unless you get extremely lucky. And they're probably definitely not going to be that year one. So, I mean, with the Raider roster set up right now, there's just no room for that. I mean, unless you, you're going to get rid of a lot of these guys and and make room for them. And that's not going to be the case that you shouldn't for, I don't think any of those guys in the middle of the first round.
0: Yeah. I, what I would love to see, it would make me so happy if they, you know, wherever they fall in the draft, if they win, you know, like roll up close to the top, that would be, you know, dream, dream scenario. But if they made a trade in the draft and they, they, you know, package some of these guys, regardless of who it is, you know, you, you've got some guys that are young and valuable. You package this guy, this year's first-round pick, and then you've got extra first-round picks to move up and get a guy. You know, w- whether it's is, if Jalen Green is their guy or Kuminga is their guy, go up there and get them. Make the move. You, you've got enough pieces that you can make a move like that and not have to worry about salary. You know, if you're making this trade for a, a Levine, which is not going to be available now after, you know, what the Bulls are doing, you're not going to get him. He's not leaving Chicago. You know, Levine, Bill, But even those two guys, I don't know that they move the, the needle enough to give up what you're going to have to give up to get those guys here.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I don't think they put you over the top. I think if you add Levine or Bill. To this team with a healthy Jerry Jackson Junior, I think you're a middle of I think you're a, a, a top 4-5 or range, 4-5-6 range but I don't think you're still not a championship contender and I think if this, with the situation that the Grizzlies are in and, and trying to build towards being a contender you, you don't need to blow your assets unless it put, puts you in a position where you're pretty much close to a finished product and I still don't think even with those guys, I think they'd be really good but I still don't think they'd be a a championship team, and that's kind of the, the long-term goal to be a contender, and I don't know if these are those guys, as good as they are, I still don't know if that makes them a contender, um, especially when you look at what the Lakers have, how, how good the Clippers are, what Utah is doing right now. I, I just don't think that puts you over the top.
0: Yeah, I look at uh, the Denver Nuggets, and you look how they put their team together with Jokic and Murray and you know everything that they – done to work to this point that they made some mistakes along the way. It's hard to bat, bat a thousand. It really is. There's going to be a point, you know, we feel like Kleiman is doing a great job at some point. You would think that there's going to be something that he doesn't knock it out of the park, but getting one of these guys closer to the top of this draft that you can develop, that can come in and, and work with John Jaron And just build this roster. You've got a lot of young guys on this team. And if you get these contracts right right now and you keep them around, you you can develop when Jamal Murray got drafted, he was not the caliber player that he is now. When Jokic got drafted, he was not the caliber player that he is now. And so you have to develop some of these guys in order to get to that point. The Golden State Warriors with Steph Curry and Clay Thompson, Draymond Green, they drafted these guys. They developed them. You know, won a title without Kevin Durant. It's you have to develop talent. It's not. There's no easy button. You can't be. If the, there's one player in the NBA that if you add him to your roster, that that instantly makes you are, are pretty much makes you a title contender, and that's LeBron James. There's there's no other, in my opinion. There's no other single player in the league that you can go out and put him on almost any roster and be like, okay, they're a title contender.
1: Yeah. But- I mean, he, he, he's the only player in the league. I agree. Um, especially if you're talking about a, a, a lower-tier playoff team or a non-playoff team, he's the only guy in the league that just kind of fits into that box that you can throw him out there and say, well, this team is, is now a contender. I, I agree 100%. And, um, again, I just – I'm glad that the Grizzlies kind of stood pat. I, I didn't want them to kind of blow assets, I think – They've done they've done such a fantastic job, climbing in this front office so far that it, it. I don't question them when it comes to things like that. I the only thing about that I, that they've done that I kind of question is the injury thing. Uh, we've just kind of seen how they hold guys out a little bit longer. Uh, I mean, you. I think a guy could have a hangnail and he'd probably miss a game for the Grizzlies. That's just how they've decided to operate this year. But we've talked about next year. I think next year is the year where you take the gloves off, where you take the handcuffs off. They should be doing everything they can, I think, to win games by next year. I think this year they said at the beginning there's going to be a development of the year and they they stood by that, I think maybe even more than they should have um, to, to a fault, I think, at times that they stood by that and, and still we're right here where we are. This team is, is in seed right now and, and surging right now and you're about to get your 1B your piece back here pretty soon in Jerry Jackson Jr. So, uh, right now I think they've done a fantastic job, but I think some bigger decisions like 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 you kind of talked about are they going to make a mistake at some point some bigger decisions coming down the pipe and i think starting with this draft and how they handle that into next year's trade deadline i think there are going to be some big decisions for this front office and it, it's going to be interesting to watch do do they continue to bat a thousand when when it comes to personnel decisions
0: yeah and there's a lot there's a long time between now and the draft and so my my opinion could change between now and then. But with the level of talent that they have at the wing right now, I don't see it happening. You, you're you not going to. You have John ja and Ty's. You don't have to. Tice is a backup point guard. To me, there's no point in investing in a, a different backup point guard. Tice is it. Go with that. I want to see Ja as he gets older and stays healthier, you know, 35, 36 minutes a game, 32 maybe, you know, playing the majority of the point guard minutes. And so Tyus is not going to have to be out there playing that many. The backup point guard is not going to get more than, you know, 10, 15 minutes a game anyway. I I just, I'm not looking for them to draft a, a backup guy. And I think that uh, in, any of those mid first round guys, that's what they're going to be because you see what, what Bain is bringing to the table with the, the shooting ability and the playmaking ability, and I think as he develops, he may even be, you know, even if they don't get up toward the top and get one of these other guys, you know, Camino or Green that we're talking about, Bain could easily develop into the guy that we, we think that we need in order to get to that next level.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think if you look back at Bain going to the bottom of the first round, if you could go back and redraft now, he goes much higher in the first round. than that. I, I think you just got to look at some of the guys that went even – in the back half of the lottery. I mean, I think Bain is in that conversation right now with the rookies that we have in the league. I don't think there's any doubt about it for this first year. Now, you might have some guys take a much more league that might have a higher ceiling than him, uh, but I think we've already seen Bain. It doesn't really surprise me, but I think a lot of people are surprised at how much more he does other than, than two threes. Um I mean, he's showing the bills. I mean, he makes good, great defensive plays at the time. great reads, gets steals. I mean, he can really... Push the basketball. I mean, he, he can slash to the basket. I mean, he does a lot of things. I think a lot of people just thought he was just a standstill three point shooter. And I don't think they watched him in college. That's why I was kind of so excited about him and excited about them getting him because I just kind of told people he's more than a shooter. Just watch out. A lot of people were skeptical. Oh, we've heard this story before. He's not going to be this. It's not going to be that. And now everybody's pretty much on board. But uh, I think we kind of tried to tell them that going into the trap. But I think people are a lot, a lot of people are believers now. And I mean, that's another. Fantastic pick uh, for this team to, to make the trade to get him. It's, they, they've just, again, batting 1,000. Again, they are going to be some bigger decisions coming up pretty soon, and, and but we just hope they kind of continue to make good decisions. I trust them full-heartedly full heartedly when it comes to to personnel decisions right now because they haven't made any mistakes and done anything to make you feel the other way. But, um, again, man, three more games this week. Uh, it goes to back-to-back tomorrow at Atlanta. Atlanta gave a good assist tonight, knocking off the, the Pelicans. A, a, just a strange... The team just never know what to expect from them. Uh, but if Ja goes tomorrow night, and even if he doesn't, I think this is kind of a game where if the Grizzlies, even without Ja, come out kind of with the mentality that we saw at Philly and here tonight at Miami, I think they'll have a chance to, to be in that game. I um, mean, you've got a game against a really good Knicks team on Friday at Madison Square Garden. So see how it plays off. You come back home and got a, a game to finish off the week or, or on Sunday at FedEx Forum Sunday night against Indiana. Uh, so three games, I mean, I think – if you, you want to put it in perspective, I think if you, you go 2-1, and I think you're happy with that, but man, go 3-0. Oh. I mean, I, I said it on the last program, just go out there and win all four of these road games, and they haven't let me down yet. They're 2-0, oh, so uh, it, it should be three three games, I think three games that the Grizzlies will have an opportunity to win. Hopefully, the job thing is nothing serious, and he's not missing any more tomorrow night, even if he doesn't go tomorrow night, but uh, again, I think if you can finish the week off 2-1, and one, I think you'd be really happy with that.
0: Oh yeah. Yep, for sure. That's a uh, first time in a while the cruises have been two over five hundred. I think they said the last time uh Brevin and Pete were talking about it. They were nine and seven was the last time that they were two games over five hundred. So just been hovering right around that range. And I'd like to see them put some space in between those numbers in these next few games. They definitely could do it. Uh this back to back is the one that really scares me the most and, and that's not, you know, I, I'm not guaranteeing a win against the Knicks that's you know last year yeah you could have done that but this year they're they're no pushover that's not a you know t- Tom Thibodeau that's not what he's about he's got this team playing much better than what they uh, they did last year so that will be a tough game in New York then come back home that Pacers match up a lot of a uh, lot of talent on that roster too they're missing guys I think uh, Sabonis and Brogdon are both out at this point I don't yeah. know how close they are to coming back but, uh, you know, that makes that roster look different. Uh, I, I think that, like you say, the, these next three, they they definitely could win, and that would be uh, be huge if they, you know, end this week on a five-game win streak heading into the toughest part of their schedule.
1: Yeah, especially you got a, a, a couple home games, uh, the, the three home games uh, before then. You, you got the Pacers, of course, on Sunday, the Bulls on Monday, uh, the Mavericks, which should be a fun matchup. They've been playing really well, and, and I think the Grizzlies kind of owed them a, a one a little bit from the one um, down in Dallas uh, about a, a little while ago. And then you're at the Bulls, so you start the seven-game road trip after that. So, I mean, you finish this road trip off, if you could win both of these and you go home, you got, you see, th- three get th- three games on the home floor, uh, you think you get a couple of those. I mean, that would be go, go really well going into that seven-game trip because I think you've opened up a four-game lead on – the Pelicans are, I think, four and a half on the Kings now. So they're kind of stiff-arming those teams a little bit, winning a couple games here that a lot of people probably didn't think they would win. Um, despite Joe, Joel Embiid not playing on, on Sunday, that, that's still a good win. I mean, I, I still honestly didn't expect them to, to, to probably win that game, even without Joel Embiid. I mean, you still got Tobias Harris and Ben Simmons to deal with and a lot of talent on their team. Shake um, Milton, they still have a lot of talent on their team. So that's still a, a pretty impressive win. So I think the Grizzlies are in a good spot right now. Uh, but they they're getting some distance. You what you didn't want to see is them, they they'd be kind of losing ground going into that seven-game losing streak, and that's not what we've seen at all. They've actually opened up the lead, and I think that that's that's going to give them some good cushion going into that seven-game trip, in, in, in case they they have a rough outing, because several rough outings during that trip.
0: Yeah, I'm I'm hoping that we, and uh, baseball, the the um, man I want to, maybe it's 2011. The Cardinals always used to talk about happy flights. You know, yeah, when they're they're coming home, happy flight, and that's uh, I hope the Grizzlies when they leave uh, Madison Square Garden heading back to uh, to Memphis that it's a happy flight home.
1: Yeah, I've just saw the line that uh, Atlanta opens as a two point favorite uh, tomorrow night. I think if, if if Ja doesn't play, I think that line might go up. But um, I mean, it, it makes sense. I mean, they they've been playing better there on the home floor, so um, it, it's a game, especially if Ja plays. I think. I feel good about it if job plays, and even if he doesn't, I think if they come out with the same energy and mentality of the last couple of games, I think they'll compete in that one, and who knows on a back-to-back who, who might sit or what, what might happen there. So um, yeah. it should be fun. It should be fun, man. I'll be right back at it tomorrow night. That's one thing that I like about this schedule. Um, it, it's bad that it's so many back-to-backs and every other night and the seven, brutal seven-game road trip, but it's fun as a fan and someone who covers the team to to have a lot of content to talk about, so we're at least every other night right now. We're right back at it tomorrow night, um, and we'll be here for uh, another hoop ball podcast. And hopefully, we will talk about another win. Man, it's a lot more fun coming on here talking about wins than it is when they when they drop a game.
0: Yeah, it's funny talking about that. My my wife and I, um, the uh, Godzilla versus Kong movie on HBO Max. She's been yeah. wanting to watch it. And yeah, she, we, knew, we, she knew she yeah, knew like last yeah. night, oh, there there's no grizzly game. We can watch it. I'm like, well that's <laughs> yeah. like the college basketball championship. Yeah. And, and she's like, Are you kidding me? <laughs> and I told her, I'm like, hey, you know, there's gonna be a lot of this, you know, for the rest of the yeah. season. There's there's not many off days in there. So yeah,
1: same thing. With, same, let's say same thing with me and my wife. It's just now that baseball season started. It's pretty much a White Sox game every night, and then you got the Grizzlies every other night. We've been trying to watch it as well. Uh, we haven't got an opportunity to, so we're gonna try to find out to find some time to watch it before this week is over. But yeah, man, it's full speed ahead right now with the Grizzlies, and of course, with baseball season starting for me, it, it's kind of an every night thing right now.
0: Yep. All right, guys, we're going to get out of here. You can get the show on Twitter at Grizz. I'm at Dwell2111. And Isaac, take us home, man.
1: Yeah, man, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore Rivals. Uh, again, it's I-S-A-A-C underscore Rivals. And, um, again, man, 2-0, and oh, start this road trip. Uh, a couple more games. I think another opportunity for the Grizzlies to, get, to keep this momentum. So we'll be right back at you tomorrow night. Uh, and for David, I've been Isaac Simpson. And-